Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Clever Girls Know podcast. This is Bola Shokumbi. I'm the founder and CEO of Clever Girl Finance. The Clever Girls Know podcast is a podcast for women, offering a space for conversations around personal finance, business, life, and living. I'd love for you to subscribe to this podcast, and you can do that everywhere you listen to your podcast episodes. And if you love what you listen to, head on over to iTunes and leave a review so that other amazing women just like you can find this podcast as well. I'd also love for you to stop by clevergirlfinance.com. We have new content on the blog multiple times a week. We have over 30 plus free courses. Plus, when you sign up for a course, you can talk to a Clever Girl Finance mentor for free to get encouragement, motivation, or if you just want to have an open, no shame, no judgment girl talk. Finally, check out our YouTube channel. Just search Clever Girl Finance on YouTube. And if you don't already follow us on Instagram, you can find us at Clever Girl Finance. Okay, so let's get into today's episode. Hey, Esther. Hi, Paula. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. So we're on a roll with your appearances here on the podcast. <laughs> Do you know, it's always a pleasure to have these conversations with you. Well, today we're going to be talking about choosing to prosper in your relationships. And this ties into my most recent book, Choosing to Prosper, Triumphing Over Adversity, Breaking Out of Comfort Zones, Achieving Your Life and Money Dreams, where I talk about my personal journey to building my business and succeeding in life. And one of the chapters in this book is about relationships. Uh, I think it's chapter six, about my rich husband. <laughs> but we wanted to talk about that today, <laughs> Esther and I. So uh, we'll dive in. If you haven't picked up a copy of this book, it's available everywhere books are sold as an ebook, audiobook, and physical book. And you can also ask your local library to order it. There is a picture of me on it in a yellow slash gold dress. And I would love for you to just check out this book and share your thoughts as well. So Esther, let's dive straight in. Well, tell everybody who you are in case this is someone's first time listening to the Clever Girls No podcast. Yeah, sure. So I'm Esther Bangura and I am part of Team Clever Girl Finance and I work in the team as a business operations manager. Yeah, so let's dive straight in and starting out with relationships and liability. So one of the things that my dad always told me growing up is that you never want to be a liability on a man, on a partner, and you also never want your partner or a man to be a liability on you. So what does a liability in a relationship mean? In your book, Bolly, you talk about how you were surrounded by a lot of strong women. That was my biggest takeaway. Like your grandma was a strong woman. Your mom was a strong woman. And these women, they worked hard. And they chose how to participate in their family and providing for their for their family. And so these women chose not to be a liability to their partners, but also to the family. And they took action for themselves. So I think for me, being a liability basically means like not being someone else's responsibility and not letting other people bear their responsibility onto you talking about relationships it really is about partnership and so you want to minimize the risk that you both bring into the relationship and so I think it is important to think about are you a liability towards somebody else and are other people a liability towards you and if the answer is yes then that's something that one needs to kind of stop to address 
I agree. I mean, so liability to me means burden, really. That's what that's the definition of a liability. It's a burden. It is a debt. And you do not want that in a relationship. And I think it's important to be able to differentiate between liability and support, because it's not saying that you don't support a partner who is going through something or your partner doesn't support you who is going through something or you can't build together. And it does not mean complete separation of finances and goals and ambitions. It means in the context of what my dad was trying to teach me that you need to be on the same page and have the ability to support each other towards achieving your goals, right? Somebody in a relationship becomes a liability when all they are is a burden and they're not willing, either you or them is not willing to make the concession to get past the burden, to overcome the burden, to deal with the situation. I also think that liability is not just about the financial aspects, right? So it could be a partner that has a lot of debts, but they could be of the mindset that we're going to work together. I'm going to do extra work. I'm going to make sure that I pay off this debt so that we can pursue our goals. But liability could also be from a ambition perspective, right? There are lots of relationships where somebody will have a big dream or a big goal and the partner can be a liability because they not only do not support that big goal, but they sabotage that big goal or big dream the other partner has, right? So that's what liability means to me, right? You have to be able to support each other. You have to be able to work together. It's not about what you don't have that makes, that creates a liability or, or the debt but it's uh, it's about whether or not you guys can get on the same page to pursue those joint goals to achieve that growth that you want to achieve together. Yeah, I totally agree with that. When I think about my relationship with my husband, we, we've kind of both been liable to each other at some point, right? Because when you're together long enough, you know, circumstances change. Yep. So there's been times where I have had to take a pay cut because I was studying. Right. And so it meant that my husband was the breadwinner. He's working more hours. And there were times where, you know, when he was qualifying for his profession, he had to reduce his hours. So that meant I had to work more and do more hours. I like what you said at the beginning when you said liability is different from support. So that support system will look different depending on the phases of your life that you're going through. Yeah. And one of the things that you mentioned is that in your relationship, Things change. Things change. People change. That is true. The person you were 10 years ago, five years ago, yesterday may not be the person you are today. And that's the same when it comes to your partner. And I think just having that understanding that you change as an individual, that your partner changes or will change is really important to keep in mind, especially before you make that legal commitment, that marital commitment in a relationship where you decide, okay, I'm going to marry this person. This is the person who I want to be with. Because just because someone asks you to marry them doesn't mean that you have to <laughs> to marry the person. And just because you ask someone to marry you doesn't mean they have to marry, right? It's a question. The answer is yes or no. I think there's this obligation that we must always say yes, but you really have to Think beyond the love, right? Because as people change, sometimes love is not enough in a relationship. And when love is not enough, in those moments where the love is not enough, then the values, then the goals, then the support, then um, the joint agreements, the communication, 
right? All the things that surround the love <laughs> become more important in order to sustain your relationship until that love comes back, right? So the person you, you marry, the person you commit to is so, even if you choose not to marry this person, even if you are in a long-term relationship, it is so important to choose the right person for you when it comes to building that life together and establishing those financial goals and those other life goals that you have for yourself. Um, so one of the other things that I want to talk about, Esther, was the importance of financial independence for women, regardless of their relationship status, regardless of how wealthy the person they marry is or is not, regardless of how comfortable they feel financially in their relationship, why is it important for you to have financial independence? I will speak personally for me. It's so, so important for me to stand on my own, right? Um, I think when you take away the man, the husband, the partner, when you take away the money, the possessions, at the end of the day, who am I? Who is Esther, right? So I feel like having independence in every area of my life is important, including financial. If I take away my husband, can I support myself? Can I pay my own bills? Can I buy the things that I want to buy? Can I live the life that I want to live? When you look at a lot of relationship breakdown, I feel like women are impacted the most, right? Whether you're in a marriage or living with somebody or just dating, when things go left, women tend to be the ones that are most disadvantaged when it comes to domestic abuse, emotional abuse, divorce, single parenthood, being widowed. So I feel like it's important for me to be financially independent, to have my own money, to have my own savings. And even now, like my husband and I, we have savings, but I have my own savings. There are things that I want to buy that I don't always want to ask or necessarily have that conversation with him for. And I trust that nothing will ever happen. But if something does ever happen, I know that I can pack my bags and run away to a safe space. So I think it's so, so important that women should strive for financial independence outside of how much their partner makes. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. I mean, financial independence for me is a non-negotiable and it's something that I'm very open about discussing with my husband that I will always have my own money. It's not, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to not do what I want to do to be able to stand on my own two feet. It's that we are a team and we're going to support each other's goals, but I'm also going to support myself. <laughs> and this is just by virtue of what I've seen, right? It's it's a non-negotiable because of what I saw growing up. I, I, I saw my mm. mom struggle with this. I saw my mom also, and I talk about it in the book, force her way through to creating financial independence for herself, right? And again, I go back to the saying that you, you may be in a happy relationship, things are perfect, but people change. Sometimes they change organically with life, with age, but sometimes people change for, for the worse, right? Um, sometimes people go through things and they become completely different. Sometimes relationships don't work out. Sometimes you just need to get the hell out and you need to have some plan, right? And people always say that it will never happen to me. And who wants, nobody gets married saying, I want to get divorced. I want to be mm. in domestic violence or emotional abuse or financial abuse. Nobody goes into any relationship saying that. And this is from both sides, right? You or your partner, none of you is coming in saying, we want all these bad things to happen. But the truth is that, and we all know stories that this 
does happen. And it's important to, to be able to stand on your own two feet and not even just if you put that aside, I think it's also important for you and your self-worth to know that you have accomplished something as a woman, right? You can be in, a, in an amazing relationship, but it's it's still perfectly fine to have an amazing relationship and be financially successful as a woman, right? It, 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 mm. You don't have to choose one. You can have the two, right? You can have a great career and be an amazing mom and be an amazing partner or wife. You don't. It doesn't have to be or, or, or. And I think sometimes people expect it to be an or, right? Mm. Um, but it doesn't have to be. It, but you just have to know how to manage it so that you're able to do what matters to you, stand on your own two feet, but be present for your children, be present at your job, be present for your partner. It involves a level of sacrifice to be able to have it all, right? Yeah. And just hearing what you're saying, Bola, it it takes me back to the fact that women can pursue financial independence because we have the opportunity to. If you look at the times where women couldn't vote, women couldn't work, women needed their husbands to open bank accounts, women couldn't set up businesses. So the fact that we have so much more opportunities than back in the days is a reason why I think every woman should pursue financial independence. We have more opportunities. You can be in any career that you choose. You can educate yourself in any industry. You can become a manager, a leader, CEO. You can open up a business. So there's so much more opportunities that, that than we used to have. Yes, there are. The, the situation is not perfect. Obviously, there's a gender wage gap. There is the investing gap for women. But when you think back historically, we are in a better position than our counterparts, right? And by us mm-hmm. building financial independence for ourselves, we're positioning our children to be in a better position than we are in now. Um, so that's really important, too. I agree with that. A question that I had for you is, what would you say are some of the qualities of a rich husband? Yeah, so I talk about this. There's a whole chapter dedicated to my rich husband in the book. And I I think when people hear, so the reason why that chapter is there for context is because people hear or heard about what my husband did and assume that, oh, yes, he was a solution to all my problems. And the reason why I could save and build a business, (laughs) he was my end all be all. (laughs) And so, uh, you know, like, I am who I am because of my rich husband, basically. But qualities of a rich husband uh, go beyond money, right? Mm-hmm. And for me, we talked, we just talked about financial independence. That was something I started to do before I, I got married, before I started dating my husband, saving money, establishing myself, being able to stand on my own two feet. I came into my own marriage as Bola, right? I brought something to the table. There's no dispute about that. But people, especially when it comes to women, people tend to to overlook and minimize what we have accomplished when there's a man in the Mm -hmm. picture, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But for me, a rich husband is not about money, right? Because when I chose to marry him, when he was a broke (laughs) med student with multi-six figures of student loans, he was still a rich husband and that richness comes from the qualities that he possesses and these are the qualities that you want your partner to possess and these are the qualities you want to identify to determine if this is the right person for you right so their character 
their mm. value, their ambition, the things that matter to them, how they treat their family members, how he treats his mother, how he is present as a father. These are all characteristics of a rich husband to me, right? That qualified my partner as a rich husband, not money. You can be married to a multi-billionaire zillionaire and they can be a hideous human being who has no values, no characters, is emotionally abusive, is not supportive, mm-hmm. right? Money, the idea of the money is not enough, right? It, in that instance, the money is just a is a mirage because you have all these problems behind the scenes that even the money cannot solve, right? Money cannot buy mm-hmm. you values, can't buy you morals, can't buy you ethics, can't make you a better human being. If anything, money is going to amplify all the things that are not good about an individual, So to me, those are the qualities of a rich husband. And so going back to what I said about society amplifying or attributing a woman's success to a man, I I think it's very unfortunate because I see it all the time. You'll see a woman do something incredible, right? Whether it's celebrity, an influencer, an everyday person, a woman at the workplace. And then there'll be somebody that will say, well, it's because of her husband. Her husband is this. Mm-hmm. Her boyfriend is that. But you do not know the story. You don't know the background. You don't know if I, there is a particular instance that I am very aware of where people attribute a certain woman's success to her husband, but she is the breadwinner. She's the one that brings the money to the table. She's the one that started the business. She's the one that, you know, set up this life that they have. And it's not about, it's not a competition. It's not a who did this, who did what, but it's the fact that sometimes it's people find it difficult to just applaud a woman just for what she has done without attributing her successes to anybody else, right? Yeah. Um, and I think it's okay. It's okay for you to be successful. You don't need, you know, a man, a partner to be successful, right? In a relationship, mm. some success comes from, joint, working together jointly, working together as a team, being in agreement on what you're trying to achieve. Uh, but it's okay for you to to be single and be successful. Yeah. You can be married and be successful. And your success does not necessarily have to be because your husband gave you money. <laughs> That's so true. You're bringing in all these truths. You're bringing in all these truths. Love it. Yeah, it's it's just, I don't know. People, It's I find it interesting. Again, it's not about competition. It's not about, oh, you know, because, you know, your, your typical African mentality is, oh, you're trying to be better than your husband. <laughs> it's, mm. not, it's not about that. It's about the fact that I've done work too. I'm, I'm hardworking too. I'm successful too. This empire yeah. that we have built, I contributed to it. And when you you look at the profiles of lots of working women, especially women of color, I mean, they're they don't get enough credit for what they bring to the table. Yeah. So um, it, it is. The, and if it's a, if it's a man that has achieved certain levels of success, nobody says it's because his wife is rich. It's because he's he 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 married a doctor. Nobody even says that. Nobody. I think like you just pointed something really important, which is like having security like both parties feel insecure in themselves I think for me the qualities of a rich husband is a man that is secure in himself that is not threatened by my success but is willing to see what I bring to the table and know that that's just as important as the money he brings in whether I am a stay-at-home mom whether I'm doing my office job whether I am 
doing my little side hustle, you know that I am bringing something of value to what we're building, to the empire that we are building. And I love that you pointed out the cultural assumptions in the African community. And and for me, I want to have the balance. I want to be the kind of woman that has her cake and eat it too. I want to have the money and I want a man that respects me, mm-hmm. you know, a man that loves me. And I want to love my partner, not just for the money that they make, but just for who they are, the respect that comes with that. The fact that when we take away all the money and take away all the possessions, I have somebody that loves me, somebody that cares about me, somebody that cares about my dreams. And I think having that security in a partner, and it goes both sides, right? Rich husband, rich wife, it goes both sides, but you want to feel secure in yourself and also allow that person to feel secure in the relationship. Yes, you articulate it perfectly. It is having someone who's not intimidated. You're not intimidated by them. They're not intimidated by you. Um, and that's perfectly fine, right? They, they, it's, it's not a competition. It's not a, they don't try to diminish you. You don't try to diminish them. Once you're able to create that in your relationship, it becomes impossible for other people to define what they think about who either of you are based on their own assumptions. And because you don't allow them to define then they don't they don't cause any conflicts in your relationship. Sometimes it's when there is when there isn't that sense of security between a couple, outside factors heavily influence the outcome of the relationship. So it's really important that you again, it goes back to picking the right person, right? Yeah. Um for you, not right for everybody. <laughs> right for you. It's a whole it's a whole big big complex topic but it boils down to picking the right person yeah it it does and I think um we we already kind of gave a few examples but I'd love for us to share stereotypes that we've experienced around being women and in a relationship are there any that you can share with us oh yeah the one I just mentioned where people think my husband is the reason for my being (laughs) he's a clever man in the finance Even before I ever knew who he was. <laughs> um, and that is still a stereotype that I face today. I had somebody tell me, well, not recently, but it was a, a, a male who said to me maybe a couple of years ago. So this is not recent. So I, I built this business or growing this business. This is now a business of impact, right? I'm proud of what I have built, what we have built in this company. And he said, why do you keep bothering yourself with all these small things? Why don't you just let your husband take care of things? And I was like, excuse me? And then he repeated wow. himself again. I'm like, so I said, what do you actually think that I do? He's like, I don't know. You know, you're a small business. <laughs> oh my goodness. I was like, bruv, here's some facts, okay? My husband can take care of things, but you know what? So can I. Thank you very much. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Full stop. Exclamation mark. Next chapter. <laughs> so the the uh, and again, this is an African relative, <laughs> an African uncle <laughs> giving me feedback <laughs> because I, maybe I was not at home or somebody when the babies are picked up my kids. Ah, where is your wife? 
She says, you cannot pick up her kids because she's working. What is small, small business? <laughs> and it's just interesting how other people just minimize the role that you play. They just min- they make it so minute, <laughs> like it's nothing, like you do absolutely nothing. Yep, I was doing nothing, so I couldn't go pick up my kids. Meanwhile, my husband is here, the babysitter's here. Where is your wife? <laughs> Why is she not here? Yeah, but you know, right. I think in a way, just because of our upbringings, you get immune to this and you kind of know how to clap back politely and respectfully to your elders. <laughs> For sure. And you do. I have like a similar example in terms of just family. Um, So for me, it's that my husband's family tend to ask me for things. And it just puts me in an awkward situation because there's that African culture of where the woman is the one that controls the man's pocket. Like where I'm from, it's like, no, if you want anything from the husband, go through the the, the wife. Yep. And my husband and I, we're not like that at all. We're not that kind of traditional African couple. So when they come to me, like I feel obligated to say yes, because I don't want to be deemed as the wife from hell, right? You are the reason why he's not helping his family. He's not doing this. It is the wife. So you get blamed when you're successful. You get blamed when you, this yep. is, I'm referring specifically to some African culture, <laughs> some West African specifically. You get blamed when um, your husband doesn't have a job. You get blamed when... <laughs> He has a job, but he's not giving out money. It is you. You are the. You get blamed when you don't have the baby. You get blamed when you have. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> Everything is your fault. Yeah. Everything is your fault. So even there's times where my husband will say no. I'll be like, no, we're saying yes because that's going to come back to me. Exactly. So either way, you just don't win. Yes, but you know that is not your problem. It is theirs, right? Um, exactly. <laughs> and I think it's important to stand your ground. And again, there are different dy- dynamics, relationships, and the external factors and family members that come with relationships. There are different cultural experiences of relationships, but I think. It's you defining in agreement with your partner exactly what your relationship is going to be and not allowing the external factors to to impact your relationship uh, or to cause conflict in your relationship or drive a wedge between both of you, right? Because at the end of the day, they are, as I said, external factors. So Mm -hmm. it boils down to both of you being able to communicate, both of you being able to come to agreement. Like I know when I say no to something, my husband is in agreement about that no. And when he says no Mm -hmm. to something, I'm in agreement about that no, because we both had that conversation and you want to, that's where you want to get to. That's how you, you build a prosperous relationship, but getting there requires communication. It requires talking about it. No, it it requires getting on the same page. Um, That is so incredibly important. Yeah, definitely. And I think just finding what works for the both of you at the end of the day, it's the two of you in the relationship, not your family, not your friends, not society, not, you know, other people outside. It's the two of you. So find what works for you. Um, Yeah. And just communicate and talk about things and, you know, share goals with each other and share how you feel about things. But it really is just one of those things that if you're not careful, you let outside world impact your relationship. And sadly, a lot of relationship breakdown as as a result of that. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Well, I'm really enjoying our conversation. And I think it's so important that we continue to empower ourselves as women. I'd like us to share why women should be proud of being 
female breadwinners, times are definitely changing. As we've talked about, women are climbing up the career ladder. They are running successful businesses, despite still some of the barriers that we face. So why should we be proud as women for being breadwinners? I think being able to contribute to your family's success and your family's growth and your family's ability to survive is in itself a big deal, regardless of who is the breadwinner. I think we are coming from a place where there were specific societal roles defined by gender, right? And for many people, it's difficult for them to get past gender-defined roles because of our upbringing, because of what we deem should be based on society, based on structures in place, based on even religion sometimes, right? Uh, But, you know, money in a household is money in a household, right? doesn't matter who brings it in. And that's my perspective on it, right? But for women who are the sole household earners or the breadwinners in their family, you are contributing to your household. You are, um, you know, you're you're supporting your, your family and allowing your family to be able to achieve the goals that you have set for yourselves, to live the life that you want to live for yourselves because you have this ability to go out and work. And just because a woman is a breadwinner does not mean the man is not contributing, right? The same way when a man is a breadwinner does not mean the wife is not contributing. In fact, she's contributing, if not just as much more by being the household manager, by mm. maintaining the family and taking care of children and making meals and creating a, a safe environment and a comfortable environment for the family. Like women get minimized for the work that they do as homemakers, as not being the breadwinner if they work part-time or they work full-time, but they don't earn as much as their spouses, it's minimized, right? But they're doing so much, if not more than the person who just goes to work and brings the paycheck, right? A lot of women go to work, bring the paycheck and still do all the things in the house. And the man sits and watches TV. I mean, this is not everybody, but this is a lot of people. (laughs) Yep. Right. Not to generalize, but this is a lot of people, even when the man is not the breadwinner, he still goes to his Mm. job, brings back less of the paycheck and then puts his feet up in front of the TV. And then the woman does everything in addition to being the breadwinner. I see this all the time. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, you should be proud for the breadwinner. And again, going back to what you said, it's about having a partner who is securing themselves. Money in the household is money in the household. Um, When, my husband and I first got married. I was the the main income earner, right? And it, it was it was fine. It was our money. We we planned it, um, and there was no like resentment. There was there was nothing about it, right? It was just there's money in the household. How are we going to manage it for our joint goals? So again, people just need to be on the same page, and it's sometimes easier said than done. But even if you're in that position where you and your partner are not in agreement, right? Um, the question then becomes, how do you now get to this place where you're both okay and secure about one person being the female breadwinner, right? There's nothing wrong with it. If anything, you have now allowed your family to have the opportunity for you to to pursue your goals, despite the other person not having an equal income or maybe not earning in that present moment. Yeah, I can't really add more to what you said because you laid it out really, really well. I like what you said that, you know, when it comes, if you're a female breadwinner, it doesn't mean that your partner 
is looking in contribution, right? It's partnership. And I think sometimes we forget how much it takes to build a successful life, however one choose to define it for themselves. But there's a lot that goes into it, especially if you have a family raising kids, that it's not just working, right? That it's raising the kids, it's being there emotionally, running a household, like it's, they're all full-time jobs. And so I think it definitely doesn't take away from either side, whoever's bringing in the money. And I think it's so important for women to be proud, like be proud that you have a job, that you can make money, that you're being paid, you know, your worth, that you're earning money to create the life that you want. And similarly to you, when I first got married, like I was the only one working for a while. Then my husband started working. I, the industry I was in, I could go for a promotion every few years and keep increasing my pay. And then it switched, right? And all of a sudden my husband's earning more money than me. And it's funny because there's times where I ask him to give me money and he's like, give yourself money. It's all in the same pot. (laughs) As it all just goes in, he's like, just take it. Like, And I'm like, no, I want you to go in your account and take it and give it to me. But at the end of the day, he's right. It comes out from the same pot. And I think this is why it's important when you are in a relationship, define what financial success means for you, define what partnership means for you, create the kind of life that you want for yourselves, um, not for other people. And yeah, if you are the breadwinner as a woman, your husband is contributing for sure, whether it's looking Mm -hmm. after the kids. Like my husband and I, we take it in turns to cook. John's a, he's way better cook than I am. I will do anything to not cook. I will even go and work more hours. Like I'll clean the house instead of cook. So you would have in your relationship how that works, how that functions. And it's okay to have it the way that you want. And whoever's bringing in the money, like it's okay. Just be respectful of each other and appreciate the value that you both bring into the relationship. Yeah, that's that's really important. And I, I do recognize that for, for some men, and these are conversations I've had, and I can't, I'm not going to pretend to to understand the inner workings of a man because I'm I'm not one. But for some men, this is this is their this is how they've been raised. This is part of their DNA to care for their family, to be the provider, right? This is who they are. I'm not going to say all men, because not all men are providers, either by choice <laughs> or by upbringing. But the the ones who sometimes have the biggest struggle with the female breadwinner is that they've been trained to be the provider and now someone has stepped in. Again, it goes back Mm. to these defined, what have been defined as gender roles by your family, by your religion, by society. And once it has been ingrained into us, it's it's difficult to make that mental and even emotional shift to accept it. So sometimes it's a struggle, right? I'm supposed to be the one doing this, but you are now the one doing this, right? Whereas for us, it is okay because we've never been ingrained to be, or we were not ingrained to be the, the providers. We are ingrained to be the caretakers, right? And the fact that we can provide for some women, it's exciting. For some women, it causes resentment, right? For some women, they're like, what's the point of this person I married if I'm the person that's doing there? It's again, it's it's a lot to unpack here. But some men talk about losing their identity if they can provide for their family or you know, there then disrespect comes into play. Somebody's talking to me this way because they make more money. It's it's a it's complex, but it going it goes back to what you said. 
being respectful of each other, being secure individually and with each other, and recognizing that you are both a team. This is your, you are one team. This is where you ultimately need to get to, to avoid all of those issues, regardless of who is the breadwinner. Because some of them might feel resentment because their husband is out working and somebody has to be home to watch the kid. And because their husband makes more money, it happens to be them, mm. right? Or vice versa. So um, it's, it's, it's complex. <laughs> but again, there's, there's no, the right way is the one that works for both of you jointly. I will say that. The yeah. right approach, the right angle, the right decision is not what Bala says, not what Esther says you should do in your relationship, but what you both agree upon that is mutually beneficial, mutually respectful, um, of your love, of your goals, of your ambitions, of your peace of mind, of your happiness, that is what you should do that works for you. Definitely. And this reminds me of, um, there's a, a blog on the Clever Girl Finance website about questions to ask your partner as your relationship gets serious. Because a lot of this is, a lot of this can be avoided when you have those serious conversations, you ask relevant questions about how does your partner feel if you are the breadwinner or if they are, just to understand their views and perspective, I think. So having these conversations early on can help in any sort of relationship. Mm -hmm. As much as we try to think that they're not important, if they're not had, you will face challenges later on in the relationship because you've not had those difficult conversations early on. Yeah. And I will say that even if you are in a relationship where you are currently facing the challenge, right? You did not have ask these questions at the beginning. If you want to save the relationship, you want to be with this person, then there is no better time than right now to start having the communications, to start getting on the same page, to start discussing these things. It will be more difficult because at this point, right, you have been set in your ways for this long that it's going to require both of you, if you want to remain in this relationship and have it successful, it's going to require both people getting out of their comfort zones, but you can also make it work even if it is time has passed. Even if you've you've gone several years being quiet about something, if you're both willing to make it work, you can make the adjustment so that you can both be happy in your relationship. It's just going to be, it's going to take work. It's going to be harder. And even sometimes, even if you ask the questions early on, you get to a point in your relationship where something else becomes an issue, right? Every relationship faces that I have faced that dynamics change, life changes, careers change, people change. And you guys have to now look at things from a different angle, a different perspective and come to a decision. Who is going to, how is this going to work? Who's going to do this? Where are we going to be for this? You know, so it's not like a one and done. Oh, we asked those questions when we got married 10 years ago where everything is perfect now. No. <laughs> it's, yeah, exactly. It's ongoing. It's intentional. It's being willing to make the efforts. It's being willing to work for your relationship, work for your marriage. And it's mutual. It's not one-sided. Like I cannot just be the one doing all the work. <laughs> to make our relationship work because the relationship will never work if you're not if the second party is not willing to participate it takes two for sure exactly exactly so yeah that was our conversation around choosing to prosper in relationships regardless of where you are in your relationship i hope that there is a gem that you can take away from this conversation as you make that intentional choice to prosper and pursue joint happiness, joint goals, joint ambition, joint peace of mind. 
Thank you so much, Esther, for joining me to have this conversation. Thank you for having me, Bola. And as I mentioned, if you haven't picked up a copy of Choosing to Prosper, you can find this everywhere your books are sold, wherever you purchase your books, as an ebook, audiobook, and a physical book. And you can also ask your local library to order it for you. Thank you guys so much for being here. We will catch you next time. Bye. Bye, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode, and I hope you enjoyed it. If you've loved the episode, but you don't yet subscribe to the podcast, you can do that everywhere you listen to your podcast episodes and head on over to iTunes and